Hey guys, your host, Avery Carl with The Short-Term Shop here. Welcome to our 10 episode deep dive on the Sarasota and Bradenton area, which includes all those fun barrier islands like Anna Maria Island, Siesta Key, really the West Coast of Florida. And if you guys are ready to start buying in this market, email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will connect you with our expert agents in this market. I also wanted to let you know that we have some supplemental materials for you guys available on our website. It's theshorttermshop.com where you can go and you can set up a search and look at properties, see what the purchase prices are in this market currently. And you can save your search so that when a property that hits the market in your price range comes out, we can email you and then you'll know right away. We've also got the AirDNA data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA, for this market for the past few years to help you gauge what a property should be able to do. We've got a pretty cool calculator on the website also to help you tie everything together. So lots of stuff to help you along your way while you're listening to this podcast or and or if you just want to hang out with us more that's pretty cool because we want to hang out with you too and there's one good place you can do that it is our facebook group same title as my book it's called short-term rental long-term wealth it's just us and 60,000 of our closest friends hanging out talking about short-term rentals sharing best practices and all that stuff so you can join that or if you guys really just want to talk to us directly if you have questions about short-term rentals we have an open office hours call every Thursday, and you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Now let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show special episode series on the Sarasota Bradenton market. We have some familiar faces here uh, with Christina and John, but one new one with Giuliano Silva. Giuliano, Giuliano, sorry, do you want to uh, introduce yourself really quick? Yeah, yeah. Giuliano Silva. Um, my wife and I, we own, we own short-term rentals and long-term rentals. Um, the short-term rentals are in Florida. Also, long-term rentals are in Florida. But we own properties in North Carolina, Minnesota. We did own in Tennessee no longer, but um, yeah, that's me. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. So today we are going to talk about setup. So setting up a short-term rental in this market, because um, there's a lot of things that you'll need specifically that you may not have on long-term rentals or even your primary home. So uh, we're going to go through all of those things. So let's talk about the the tech, but the hardware stuff that you need for your short-term rental. So first thing I'll start would be a smart lock. So what kind of smart locks do you guys do? I do Schlade and code locks. Mm-hmm. Same with you, Juliana. Same Schlade, yeah. I, I, used to, I used to have Yale um, and I still do have like my, I still have them, but I switched them all to Slodge because it integrated with um, hospital. And I actually integrated Yale um, manually um, to do automation, but like they, they came up with an update, just a lot of work. I'm like, I'm just going to make it easy. So I switched them all. Yeah. Yeah. And have you guys ever had a guest have a problem with your electronic lock and need to be given access to, to a key? No, uh, me no? not. I, I did have with Yale. Because in my opinion, the usability of Yale is is kind of weird. Like you have to hit the 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 logo and then type in the numbers and then hit the check mark, right? So that always throws off people. Even myself, I have it in my house. I forget sometimes. 
Um, but since we switched, uh, really no. But we've never had to give the key to the to the to the guest. We actually we have a lockbox in on the on the, in the alley that we just put the key in there in case anything happens. We have like a the code, digital code in the lockbox. If anything happens, it's just like, hey, there's a key there. But we haven't we haven't had to use it. Hopefully, yeah. we, we have, but not because of the lock failure. We have because the guest has either locked themselves out. Um, a different way by locking the secondary lock on the front door. Mm-hmm. Had that happen? Then, yeah. So we, we include not only a key to the front door in the lockbox in the events that the electronic keypad failed, but we also include a key to like a back door or a side door um, in the events that, you know, something like that happens. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at. That was going to be my next question if Juliana hadn't led into it. So great job. Uh, is you absolutely need to have a lockbox with a real key in it just in case they need it. So for example, we had one time a guest who had been overserved that evening and got home and could not, she tried the lock so many times that she ran it out of batteries because she was like one eyeballing it and like, couldn't do it right. And uh, so there's nothing, you know, that we can do to fix that in the middle of the night. So we had to give her the code to the lockbox. So you always want to have, I would even go as far as having two separate lockboxes on the property, just in case you have a backup to your backup. So I think that you absolutely have to do that. And some people don't, I see a lot and maybe you guys have seen it too. A lot of buyers that get really hung up on um, have getting the the keys from the seller and wanting to use the same. Like I've seen buyers, they will sit there for a week waiting for keys from a seller that don't exist. Because like in the Smokies and stuff, when it's been on a big property manager, there's no keys. It's only a lot. It's only a code. And who God knows who has the keys and how many sets of people have the keys because of how many people need to access these things. And you absolutely should be, every time you buy a piece of property, change the damn locks. You're not waiting on anybody to give you anything. There may not be keys. Don't dig your heels in because you're waiting on something from them. You own the property, get a locksmith, change the locks. You should never be using the same locks as the previous owner, period. Um, Off soapbox on that. Let's move on to the next uh, piece of hardware that you need. How about smart thermostats? Hey, it was Ecobee thermostats. A um, couple benefits to them. They allow me to lock a temperature range. So, you know, I don't allow the guests to turn the thermostat down below 70 degrees. Um, that way they can't just run the air conditioner um, nonstop, you know, overwork the unit, cause other problems. Um, and it also allows me to integrate with my smartphone and get notifications if there is a problem with the system and perhaps a guest isn't there. That way I can be proactive with getting an AC guy out there to you know address a potential cooling issue before the next guest arrives. Also EcoB, Giuliano? Yeah. Um, yeah, big fan of EcoB. I used to have Nest. I still have Nest in one property, uh, but I am going away from it. Uh, I think EcoB is is more reasonable in price. And the in addition to what uh um uh, John said, you can actually add sensors. I'm sure you can do that on the Nest as well, but Ecobee is, in my opinion, much more reasonable. You can add sensors to each room and to the house. So when the guests leave, it you can set up to turn off your system automatically. So you don't have to be like, because, man, electricity in Florida is expensive. <laughs> so I'm trying to find ways to cut that down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess I'm the only one that does Honeywell T9s but those are our favorite. Um, they're, you know, Honeywell's answer to a nest, basically. I don't like nest for this because its job is to remember and learn 
habits and where you like your temperature. And that's not what you want in a short-term rental where there's a bunch of different people coming in and out every couple of days that might want something different. And plus I found that it's for some reason, people have a hard time working that and they yes. can't figure it out. Even though the Honeywell is, is very similar. A lot of times they have a really difficult time with it. And so for me, I want less questions. So I put an easier unit in there for them to work. Yeah. The usability of Nest is an, it was an issue for us. I don't know why, like it's, it's, yeah, people don't, uh, but they could be, as far as usability, it's really easy to use. Um, so we, I, we like it. Yeah. All right. Last piece of hardware, and we can spend some time on this, is cameras. Do you guys use cameras? What do you use? Oh, yeah. I just use um, a ring doorbell camera. Um, I know there's better solutions out there, you know, solutions that, you know, do nonstop recording with terabytes of data. But I just use my Ring doorbell camera and just, you know, set it up for six months of uh, memory. And, uh, you know, I've had success with that so far. About you, Juliana, same? Yeah, I, I, I've been using Arlo because, um, like, I had Arlo in our, vest, in, in our very first unit in Minneapolis. And then I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to switch. I'm just going to keep it easy. Uh, use the same systems. Um, and, and Arlo, to be fair, it's decent. Um, I like it. I just bought the flood floodlight. It's kind of cool. It's got the solar panel. Um, it works really well. So I like that. So Arlo, Arlo guy. I also use ring. It's just so easy. You can have multiple properties on your same, um, app on your phone and without having to sign in and out which is nice. Uh, every now and then on some of our properties, we'll have a ring floodlight cam, but mostly just doorbell. Um, and you want to make sure in case you guys don't know, if you're new and you're listening, you can only have cameras on the front of your property. You can't have them inside. And I've seen people argue about this on Facebook groups and I was completely creeped out. Yeah. You can't have cameras inside your house. Like you can't. And if you think that you should, you should not be in this business because that's weird. That's very Ted Bundy. And um, you also can't have them on the back, like facing any private outdoor areas like pools and hot tubs. I think think you can see how that might be a little creepy too. So only just on the front of your property, just kind of monitor who's coming in and out. And my advice is to not look at your ring notifications all the time. If you know they booked for six people and they're bringing seven, that seventh person is probably not going to single-handedly burn the house down. And if you reach out and give them a hard time about it, they're going to feel spied on and it's going to be weird and uncomfortable. So I prefer to just use the cameras as something to refer back to if there is some kind of an incident and not as like a constant monitoring of what they're doing, because that's a really good way to drive yourself crazy. Um, I know an investor a few years ago who would like yell at them through her camera. Like the thing that really, I think made her end up selling her property was a bad experience she had because a guy, this was in Tennessee, was peeing off the front porch. And she, while he was peeing, yelled at him through the camera, which feels a little weird. And then the guests got weird. And then it was a whole thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course it was a thing. So it's best that you not know if, you know, your cabin in the woods, somebody's peeing out front, who cares? So anyway, that's my philosophy on cameras. <laughs> I do have a camera in the back. But um, I just I just built a brand new property recently and like we built the pool, built the pickleball court, mini golf, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I put a camera on the like facing the pool equipment because people they tend like they believe they know how to work the pool equipment mm-hmm. and I don't like that. So I did put a camera in the back, but the, the back is I fenced it up. So it's like you can't really see the the pool or people yeah. in the pool. It's just like literally facing the equipment because I, uh, I, I want to see who's touching what. Uh, in fact, my very first guest on this, he went in there and he's like, start like, oh, I'm a contractor. I know how to. I'm like, dude, just stop. I don't care. You're a contractor. Like, just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. They don't need to be touching it. Most important thing I'd say with cameras is just make sure it's disclosed in your listing. Yes. Very, very important. Airbnb will shut you down in a heartbeat if it's not disclosed that you have any kind of video recording devices on the property. 100%. Uh, is there anything else hardware tech wise that you guys need? Do you, any of you use like noise aware or anything like that? I use noise oh, yeah. aware. Yep, definitely. I put them out on, I, I don't put them inside the house. I just put them out, out on the back patio. Um, you know, I'm not really too concerned if they're making noise inside the house. It's just uh, what can the neighbors hear? So I put them out on the back patio and, uh, you know, definitely um, try to make sure that, you know, I control the control the guests, control the party and be a good neighbor. Yeah. Got to be a good neighbor. That's got to be a really, really high priority when you're a short term rental owner. Be a good neighbor. Yeah. Same um, here. I've got the minute um, on the lanai in the back uh, primarily in, in all of my properties, except for Minnesota, because uh, my neighbors, they will do that job for me of listening to the artists. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing that they'll do that job for you? No, it's a good thing. We're friends and uh, okay. uh, haven't had any problems so far. Okay. And it's a it's in a urban area, so uh, it's it's more tightly. There's neighbor really close, really close, and I I'm very explicit on my listing, like no parties and all that stuff. So I, I did not put it in that property yet. I don't think I will, but um, yeah, the the Florida ones I have. And I will do in North Carolina too. Okay, awesome. So I think we're all on the same page there. So let's move to the tech software that we need for setup. So I think you need three main things. First one is your property management software. We are hospitable users. What about you guys? Same. I use use hospitable. (laughs) I use HostAway now. Okay, awesome. And guys, if you, there's a ton of, uh, property management software out there. And if you check out the short-term show, our main podcast, we interview a bunch of the different CEOs of all of the different property management software. So you can go listen to those and kind of compare and contrast because each of them kind of has one main thing that they do really well. And um, depending on what your personality type is and which tasks you like and don't like, you might choose a different property management software. So you absolutely need to have a property management software. Don't try to roll without it. It will make your life so much easier. And uh, the next real, I think this is probably the most important. Well, actually, let's back up property management software. What it does is it pulls all of the information. So if you've got two listings, say, uh, and you've got them on Airbnb, Verbo, you've got a direct booking website, and then maybe you've got it on booking.com. It pulls all the information from all those listings into one dashboard for you to make everything easier in terms of making changes and just managing everything. A lot of them do a lot more than that too, like automating things with your cleaner. So letting your cleaner know automatically will populate on your cleaner's calendar when you get a booking. Whereas when I first started at the beginning of every month, I had to go through and count and write down every single date and send my cleaner an email and say, these are the days you need to go. And I had to watch in case anybody canceled or rebooked to make sure that I altered the dates for her. You don't have to worry about that these days. 
that was back in the dark ages. Um, and they do a lot more than that, but what they do is they really streamline everything for you to make everything easier that they can message guests. Uh, anyway, we're not doing a podcast on property management software, but just for anybody who might not know what those things are, uh, definitely listen to those episodes of the short-term show. So pricing tool, I think this is arguably the most important piece of software. Let's talk about that. So uh, we are, we're Price Labs user, users. Sorry. What about you guys? Same. Yeah. Same. Price Labs. Yeah. I think there's, there's a few other ones, but I think Price Labs is definitely the most uh, cost efficient and it, I think, is the best one. And if you guys don't know what a, a dynamic pricing tool is, it what it does is it's constantly analyzing data of not necessarily only past booking. So it looks at history, but it also looks at its monitoring everyone else's pricing, including hotels and any little dip or any little uh, jump in pricing, it will adjust you too. So if it sees that a bunch of hotels are getting a higher price per night on certain days, it'll bump you up too. And it's constantly just analyzing to make sure that you're able to book for the highest price per night and that you're not leaving money on the table. Uh, the Airbnb smart pricing, do not use that. That does the opposite of this. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, oh, cool, Airbnb smart pricing. No, that will book you at the lowest price possible because Airbnb is trying to get the guests the best deal. So uh, always use third-party pricing software. Price Labs is my favorite. I don't get paid to say that. I don't believe in um, in affiliate fees for that. I like to just send people to businesses that I know are good because they're good. So Price Labs is it for me. Um, all right. Last piece of software, and some people use these and some people don't. I, I find them to be infinitely valuable. Uh, digital guidebook. Uh, I use TouchStay. What do you guys use? I am in the process of implementing TouchStay. However, I do not have it set up at all my properties yet. So I am a little bit behind. Oh, it's going to it's gonna change your life. <laughs> I love TouchStay. Yeah, same. TouchStay, touch big believer. Um, I learned about them last year at the at the Nashville conference, the build the, the, the SGI Wealth conference. Mm -hmm. yep. Sign up, sign up right then. And uh, it, it, it does... It, it is life-changing once you have it all set up, but it is a lot of work to get everything set up. Um, so, I yeah, but I really like it. Um, it's It really is great. And for those of you who don't know what TouchStay is or a digital guidebook is, so it's it's a piece of software that when you book, once once somebody's booked with you, it sends them this guidebook and there you can put everything in the world in there. Like here's the best restaurants. Here's the beach accesses that you want to go to in order of the best to worst. Uh, here's the nearest grocery store. Here's all the food delivery services and like anything that they could possibly want to know about the property is in there. So that way they're, they get that immediately when they book and they're like, oh, cool. Let me go through all this stuff. And they know that a lot of information is probably going to be there. So they don't have to message you, which when I'm a guest, I don't like messaging hosts. I'm like, I want to talk to this person. Just what's the information? Let's not talk to each other. But I'm, you know, I'm like that. I'm an introvert. Um, so you got to be using, I mean, you don't have to be, but it's really, really, really helpful. And I think your guests really, really appreciate that digital guidebook. Yeah, I agree. I think in addition to that, though, um, I'm experimenting with um, utilizing TouchStay for marketing as well, like getting people's emails, phone numbers um, outside of that. Um, although I use a different software for that, but I'm experimenting with some some marketing stuff and what we can do with it. Um, 
But yeah, I like it. It's great. And guys, if you don't know what Touch Day is, we do have an episode with Tyann Marcink Hammond from Touch Day on the short-term show. So definitely check that out for a deep dive on what all that does. Uh, Okay, so now let's talk about the setup of the house, like things that you need in the house. So let's start in the kitchen. There's a few things that I think are important. Like I think everyone knows you need to have pots and pans, you need to have dishes, et cetera, the obvious things. But let's talk about coffee because that's really important. And this is another place that the guidebook comes in handy because it's happened to me. There's nothing worse than coming in from a long flight with two little kids. And I know I need my coffee in the morning and we're stopping at the grocery store to get a few things so I can feed everybody in the morning. And when I get to the place, I find that I've gotten the wrong kind of coffee. I got Keurig pods and they have a drip or they have a drip and or they have a Keurig and I got drip. That's not a fun place to be, especially after a long trip with kids and you're already like, I'm already the worst version of myself. So coffee is very important. What what are we doing for coffee here? I use a Keurig Dual that has both the Keurig pods and the, the drip coffee all in one machine. It works fantastic. What about you, Juliana? Yeah. So we we go a little bit uh, beyond that. We, we have the same, the Dual, Keurig, and then the drip. And then in addition to that, we always have like a coffee bar. We have an espresso machine, a small one uh, that we leave. And then we leave all the pods, teas, sugar, cream, all that stuff in the coffee bar. So that's what we do. Yeah. I think it's really important to have both and to have something that's pretty intuitive to use, like one button. This is what you push for drip. Okay, I guess two buttons. And this is what you push for Keurig. And I stayed in a beautiful place one time and the coffee maker was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was just elegant. It looked like it belonged in a rich person's house, but I could not figure out how in the hell to use it, which was, I figured it out eventually, but I'm like, man, this should not have taken 20 minutes out of my day to do. So I think it's cool. Like if it looks great on the countertop, that's awesome. That's great. That's for your house that you live in, but uh, you really need to to keep it simple. And people are crazy about their coffee. I know I am. We keep a backup drip Mr. Coffee uh, like high in a shelf where they could get it if something breaks and they need to. And then they call us and say, hey, the coffee maker broke. And we can say, oh, there's a backup in that top shelf because there's nothing worse than not having your addiction available to you when you need it. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I'll say this, like, um, you know, use touch stay to create some tutorials on how to do stuff within your house or create some very quick videos um that's what we do like how to use the coffee machine and then we have a label url it it, it all links to touch stay and all that stuff um it, touch stay comes in really handy when it comes to that stuff because like if you really want to get people excited so there is one property that we haven't done like we're still working on it but the, the the other twos are are working pretty well. Uh, we barely get any questions um, unless it's something you know outside of the scope of of like the experience and you know something breaks, whatever the case is, which which happens. But yeah, I, I'd say leverage touch say for them some of that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you can't figure out how something works, having uh, you can even do QR codes that link to that, that will yep. it like next to the item that somebody might have a hard time working so that they can just do it right then and be taken to that that way. Because nobody likes to not be able to figure out how to do something. You want it to be easy for them. So making it easy for your guest is absolutely key. 
So um, Giuliano said what he stocks in terms of the coffee and the creamers. What do you guys stock, John and Christina? Um, we, we stock pods. We stock, um, I think we have a little bit of uh, drip coffee, but you know we don't have a full-blown coffee bar or espresso machine. Yeah, we have just the basics. So some non-dairy creamers, uh, some sweetener. We don't actually even provide the coffee we used to, but now we make it very clear like, hey, bring your own coffee. But then we do have a few of those things for if they forget and, and then they can be pleasantly surprised. Um, okay. So along these same lines, what other things in terms of food items or spices do you guys stock? Uh, and I, I feel very strongly about this. I only want to stock dry spices and maybe cooking spray. Like there's some really great, just pre-filled, uh, spinny spice racks you can get. I don't know. <laughs> spinny is a scientific term. Uh, that you can get off Amazon that I think are great and that that's fine. And then cooking spray because people always forget that. And they'll be really pleasantly surprised to when they're like, Oh crap, I forgot it. And then they find it in your house, but I don't like to do anything else. I stayed in a place this summer where there was all this, like all these condiments and not individual packets of condiments like John and Christina y'all saw, cause I posted about it on, on Slack, but, uh, that just grosses me out because you don't know. I wouldn't let anybody use them because you don't know what somebody's kid could have been sucking on that ketchup bottle. You don't know. And as someone who just got over a stomach virus that was given to me by my child, I do not want that. That just grosses me out. But some people think that that's totally cool and fine and they like it. I can't I can't deal with it. So hopefully <laughs> I haven't completely offended you guys who do do that. But that's me. I'm dry spices only in cooking spray. What about y'all? Well, we're the same way. I mean, yeah. and for the same reasons, you know, the, the stuff that can be contaminated and stuff like that, you know, we, we try to not not include that. If, you know, a guest leaves it behind, you know, we usually throw it out. Um, you know, we definitely try to keep the basic spices. But, you know, I, I know one one host who had this cooking oil that it was like basically a jug that she wanted to refill you know, after every guest of cooking oil. And so she had this one main big jug of cooking oil and she wanted to refill it into this little jug of cooking oil. And, you know, it just seems like something that, uh, again, most people would be turned off off uh, because of the contamination factor, particularly after, you know, the COVID years. Yeah, yeah. Just aerosol spray. Nobody has to be touching and refilling. And that's my take on it. Um, is there anything in particular appliance-wise or in the kitchen that you guys want to make sure you have, like I know in our mountain markets, the crock pot is a really big one. Is there anything that you guys see guests wanting to have more so than other things or just basic stuff? A blender. People like to make their margaritas then Florida. Oh yes. (laughs) So that's a big one I'd say. Yeah, that is a big one. That's very market specific, I think. Well, I think you need to have a blender anywhere, but especially for margaritas in Florida, for sure. Yeah, we have a blender. We have crock pots. We have all the pots. Um, We did have someone ask once, like, do you guys have crock pots? We were like, oh, man, should we do it? Should we not? And then we did it. Um, and I think it drives people to the, to the, to the property as well. Like, I think it's a value add that, uh, um, you know, they look for it, especially if they're going to stay in Florida, like at least in our properties, we, we have guests stay for 30 days, 15 days, you know, 40 days. So 
they like that stuff. So we, yeah. we we put it in all of our properties. And we recently had someone ask for rice cooker. So we ended up just putting them everywhere because we did have maybe two people ask. And we're like, you know, th- th- they didn't cost much money and not huge. So we put those in our properties. Yeah, we've got the rice cooker as well. Like that's, it's, it's a question from my wife, but like anything that you can think of in the kitchen, I think we have. Yeah. And you got to have what I found. We've gotten dinged for this a couple of times in reviews, especially by European travelers is a tea kettle, which never yes. occurred to me, period. Yes. Like I've never yes. sat down and said, I'm going to have, time. A, yeah. It, and so that's something that after a few times we were like, oh, you know what? Enough people do this, that we should probably have this. And so you we get have one too as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. That there's actually it's funny because recently, like this year, one of our uh tea kettles broke and uh we didn't know. And then, you know, this guest from I think she was from Italy, um, or Croatia, some some of those places, and, and she was like, Hey, I need the tea kettle. So we had to buy a new one. It's it's a big item too. I didn't think of it, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's just important to have a well-stocked kitchen period, especially. So I think that some kind of food storage items are good to have. If you are, if your property or your area is prone to longer stays, we don't do it because ours in our markets that we own properties in, I don't own a property in this market. Typically they're, they're less than seven days, less than five days usually, but there have been times that I've been in properties where they had very nice, very organized food storage containers that I did use and was grateful to have because I was like, oh man, we we can't bring this home. But you know, kids, maybe they're hungry at like nine o'clock at night on vacation. And it was nice to be able to do that. And um, so I suggest it, although I admittedly do not <laughs> do that. Um, all right, let's move to a different part of the house. So let's talk about TVs. This is very, very important, especially as we're recording this, we're in football season. So what do you guys do for TVs slash um, streaming options. We have all smart TVs. Um, you know, we have spectrum uh, internet service. Um, so we just have high speed internet with smart TVs and with spectrum, you basically get an app that you can download that allows you to watch basic, uh, live TV, um, through the app, you know, that in addition to whatever streaming service the guests may have, uh, that they can log into on their own is basically all we offer. Yeah, we have all all Roku TVs and we have TVs in every bedroom. And I think you absolutely have to have a TV in every bedroom, regardless of what your beliefs are about sleeping with TVs on your guests might, or your guests might just want to go in the room and watch a movie while everybody else is out there partying. So you want to give them that option. And we make all of our TVs, whether they'll be different sizes, like a bigger one in the living room, obviously, but they're all Roku TVs. So the remote for all of them and the way to work, all of them is the same. So it's easy for the guests and they don't get confused. And you also have guest mode for those so people can sign in to their, use their login to sign into their streaming apps that they like to use, and then it'll sign them out when they leave. Um, so that's what we do. And we were, we used to get regular basic cable and we finally made the switch and we don't offer that anymore. It's streaming only. And we were very worried that we were going to get complaints, especially from older people who might not know how to work the streaming services. And we haven't, and it's been great. So um, that's our philosophy on the TVs and the streaming. Uh, what about you, Juliana? Yeah, same here. We use particularly a brand called Hisense, but with Roku installed, not Google. Because like Hisense, they have two versions. One is Roku installed, and the other one is Google TV. So Google TV, 
not great option, not very usable. People, it's just not really, and it and it doesn't have the gas mode. Um, we made a mistake to buy the high sense. We didn't look thoroughly, and it was like a Google TV. We had to exchange it, but all of our TVs are high sense with Roku. We have gas mode. We also do provide, um, like we, we we have subscriptions for Netflix, NFL. Um, all that stuff that's, if they want to use it, it's all, all part of it as well. Uh, but, but usually they actually don't use it because they, they, they do, they do gas mode and then it signs out automatically. Um, uh, but one property that we have, we haven't done the guest mode yet. Um, they're, they're using our subscription. So we have a handful of subscription that I think is reasonable and we offer, you know, here it is, use it slang. So we have a slang, um, and it's got a bunch of news, whatever, right? So they can use it as well. All right. So I think that covers that. Let's talk about bathrooms. Uh, well, actually, first we will talk about bathrooms and bedrooms because we're going to talk about linens. So linens and towels go hand in hand. How many sets of sheets do you guys keep for each bed, like in the rotation? Um, we try to keep three sets. Sometimes it's closer to two and a half, but, you know, there's always <laughs> a set on uh you know on the beds you always want to have a backup set and then there's always you know that that's that's set for uh in case you know things get stained or damaged or need to be replaced about you juliana same we no we we go a little bit uh above that we do three to four sets um and like there is a specific reason for this like the 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 time consuming thing for our cleaners usually is just linens cleaning and laundry um so what we did was we like we noticed that a lot of hosts they actually don't like early check-in and i get asked all the time and i'm like man i'm gonna solve this problem like nobody's offering i gotta do something so i worked with my cleaner with a solution and how i actually make that work even if it's too busy um and so that's why we went a little bit above but we offer the early check-in all the time it's actually part of my marketing because at the time nobody was offering and i think we did close to 40 grand just because of the early check-in last year uh so we worked that out we went a little bit above the 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 threshold it used to be two now it's three to four depending on on the house uh and then since our houses are, houses are closed they can hop and do laundry if necessary and if there's availability too so we worked a system that we can always offer early check-in. We can't guarantee, but it's offering like it 95% of the time we were able to to honor the request. Gotcha. So we also keep three in the rotation. We'll typically have backups, but so you know, one's on the beds, one's with the cleaner being washed off site, and one's in the storage closet just in case somebody needs it. So I think that's pretty standard how many towel this i get this one a lot how many towels slash hand towels slash washcloths per bathroom do you guys stock i know probably three sets of each but how many per bathroom we stock it based on guest count so if the house sleeps 12 um you know we'll provide 12 of each uh where exactly their place depends on you know the specific property if it has a linen closet if it has storage under the vanity or something like that but you know, we basically provide um, a bath towel, a hand towel, a washcloth, and a pool towel for each guest. Yeah. And that was actually going to be my next question is, uh, how do you differentiate a bath towel from a pool towel? Our bath towels are white and our pool towels are, you know, have stripes on them and they're a little bit bigger. Yeah. 
I think we probably have the same pool towels from Amazon. They yeah. <laughs> there's like five or six different colors of them, but they're all striped. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Us too. Yeah. Us too. The stri- striped ones. And I think we buy them from Costco. Um, as far as the, the towel account, I think we have like hand towers. I think it's three per bathrooms. Um, and then it's per, per, um, you know, people count guest count as well. Although we, we have increased our beach towels, uh, to, so if, if the property holds 12, we do like two extra. So it's like 14, uh, cause guests that they tend to ask for more. I don't know why it gets dirty in the beach or whatever the case is. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So now let's move further into the bathroom. Let's talk about soap, shampoo, conditioner, toiletry items. What are we doing for that? Um, we provide, uh, you know, hotel style, one ounce, um, hand soaps, shampoos, uh, conditioners. Um, we provide two rolls of paper towel per bathroom. Um, I'm sorry, not paper towel, but toilet paper. And we provide hand soap at each sink. What about you, Juliana? Yeah, we... We provide like dispensers for shampoos, um, body soap, um, any toiletries. Like we, my wife, this is my wife's thing. <laughs> she likes, she's a big believer in providing everything, even stuff that, you know, the, the women need. So they, she provides literally everything from tampon to you name it. It's, it's in the bathroom. And um, our guest seems to really appreciate it because, like, they they mass they actually wrote in a review, "Hey, thanks for having that." And like on the review, yeah, but they appreciated <laughs> it. So uh, my my wife provides everything from from I don't know ear, yeah, everything that that you can possibly need when you're traveling. I think we provide. That's awesome. That's awesome, and I think that is that is helpful, and. So when you're doing, this is kind of a a point of contention, when you're providing shampoo, conditioner, body wash, doing a refillable dispenser versus just individual like travel size, because some people are like, oh, that's gross. And some people are like, no, it's not. It's fine. So what do you guys, how do you guys do that? We we went from the small packets, right? The the hotel style to recently the dispenser um, and guests haven't complained. We... You know, the, the the little, the small ones, it was okay. But some guests are like, hey, you know, do I need to go to Target to just buy more soap or something? And we left some extra, but it didn't seem to be enough. Um, So we were like, okay, let's uh, try a dispenser. So we just, we just recently, like this year, are using dispensers and some of the properties, like two. Um, and it seems to be okay. It's, it's, it seems to be working. And we haven't had received any complaint uh, so far. Awesome. Yeah, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense that if if you provide the individuals that they might be like, oh, well, now I'm out. Am I supposed to buy that or do you give me that like a hotel? And I think I don't think that's anybody being unreasonable. They're just like, oh, does this work like a hotel or does this how does this work? And I don't think that they're being demanding or anything like that. Just trying to figure out how stuff works. So uh, I think that's a, a good take on it. We just try to let guests know up front what to expect with that type of stuff. You know, we let them know. You know, when they book, um, what we provide as far as toilet paper, paper towels, you know, things like that. And then we just let them know that any additional consumables beyond, you know, what we provide um, are the responsibility of the guests. So I think it's just clarifying what to expect is is the big thing. I don't necessarily think you know, there's a right or wrong answer there. Yeah, 
I agree with that. So let's move on. These two things are are separate, but they kind of go hand in hand. Pro photos and then decor. So obviously the decor is going to determine how good the property looks in the photos, whether they're pro or not. And guys, if you take nothing else away from this episode, it is get pro photos. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to think I can do it fine on my iPhone. No, you can't. You cannot. If you come to me in six months and say, Hey, Avery, what's wrong with my listing? And it has bad photos. I am going to scream. So you, you really do have to get good professional photos, photographers that have an eye for using light the right way and getting the angles, right. You know, I think I'm great at a lot of things, but there are certain things that I'm not good at and taking pictures is one of them. And even if you think you're great at it, you still just hire a professional who specializes in real estate photos, almost said portfolios, who who specializes in real estate photos and just spend the few hundred bucks. I know it can be painful because you just shelled out a bunch for a down payment, but it will pay for itself almost immediately. You have got to get good professional, good lighting pro photos. Um, next though, let's talk about decor. So is this a market where you can get away with carpet and a little bit of datedness, or do you really need to make sure that it's fully updated and, and like done to the nines? A couple of years ago, you might've been able to get away with that, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of competition these days and you really need to be on top of your game. You know, it really needs to be, uh, decorated well, decorated professionally to really stand out and, you know, be a top performer. Yeah, I I agree with that. And it's like that in a lot of markets where you used to be able to just kind of buy something that's kind of dated and it'll rent anyway. Like I've had properties that needed a kitchen update, but they were booked so much for like three years straight that we just never got around to it. And now they're updated. So you definitely do need to, for me in Florida, especially it's the, the big white tile floors with the black grout that just screams early two thousands and the the floor needs to be redone. Uh, Definitely no carpet though. If you have carpet, get that out immediately. Sand and wet bathing suits and wet feet and all that. That's got to go. But yeah, you definitely this day and age want to make sure that your property is updated. The decor is nice and cohesive and maybe hiring a a decorator. Guys, it's really not as big of an expense as a lot of people think that it is because a lot of times what they charge you is really offset by the discounts that they get on a lot of the items like tile, floors, furniture. A lot of times they'll get really, really steep discounts, sometimes like 40, 50% because they buy so much from this company for you know their all their collective clients. So definitely ask around about that because I'd never used a designer before until like last year. And I was like, oh, this is not as expensive as I thought. It I mean, trying to source it myself is actually almost like I'm almost breaking even on what it would have been to source myself versus hiring somebody who knows what they're doing. So um, you definitely want to make sure that you are making your property a super property to quote Bill Faith. So um, I definitely, definitely agree with that philosophy. Um, yeah. And. Oh, go ahead. So Avery, we had we just recently also like had a we just we just did a brand new property recently in May, uh, June. Uh, we we finished end of May. We listed mid June, um, and and yeah, like we hired a designer, um, and man, that was life changing because like we have we have a kid, a small kiddo, a one year old, and we live in California. Uh, we don't live in Florida. And so we hired this designer and she worked with us with all the details. We, we did a, we did a major renovation as well. You know, we, we, we turned a three bathroom, two baths, sorry, 
three three bedrooms, two baths, two like five bedrooms and three bathrooms, uh, and redesigned the whole thing. And and she was with us for the whole time. Uh, it saved us so much time that it's like it's unbelievable, right? Like, and also the deliverables that she gave us. You know, she gave us a link to each item that we chose. Just click and buy. It, literally, we would like clicking and buying. She gave like a PDF at the end of it, and then you're just buying the stuff, buying the stuff. Um, it was massively like uh, important for us, especially in this day and age, because like I, our first one, we didn't have kids, but now we now do, so it, it changes the game quite a bit. So it was it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with that. And do we and then- see a lot of like theming or accent walls, like murals and stuff? in this market or not yet we're starting we are now yeah. yeah yeah in the day back in the day no but now you know we're definitely seeing more savvy people that are coming into the market you know they own in orlando and that's something that they're used to so they're you know they're building out game rooms and theme rooms stuff like that what, what's that yeah. mirror what's behind you yeah i was about to ask is that what that <laughs> yeah. <is> behind you? <laughs> yeah this is at one of our properties in sarasota and so this is mural that we did for Siesta Key Beach. So for about four months in there. Yeah. I think if you've got the budget to do it, go ahead and do it. It'll pay for itself and you'll see see dividends from it. So is there anything else related to setting up a property in this market that we have not touched on that you think the listeners could benefit from hearing about? I would say one of the most important things in this market is the outdoor space. Um, People come to Florida to be outdoors. You know, the house can be beautiful inside, but you know, more likely than not, these people who can afford to come stay at your houses have nice homes on the inside too. You know, they're coming to Florida to enjoy the weather, to be outside, to enjoy the pool area. So um, don't skimp outside, you know, make sure the outside, you know, is is top notch and, uh, you know, it stands apart from the competition because that, that's really a big differentiator down here. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this though, I think um, this is based on my experience. I'm still looking at the data, but um, you have to be really intentional about how you design your property, in, you know, from inside and out, uh, especially the backyards, like amenities. People come to the properties not because it's a beautiful property on the inside, but they come to the properties because they, there's something to do outside as part of the property. Uh, and uh, my philosophy is like in Florida, there's a, every almost every single house has a pool. Or it's a common thing. Maybe not every single house, but it's a common thing to have a pool. I just don't think that just having a pool is a is a differentiator anymore. You've got to go way above and beyond that to be able to make it worth. So just having a pool isn't enough. Um, you know, think about what else you need to add uh, that's going to really add value to the guest experience. Um, and yeah, and, and do that. And I think knowing your audience is super important too. You know, I think, our homes like Giuliano's as well is very family oriented. So, you know, having cutlery and kids spoons and forks and, you know, plates and stuff like that and knowing your audience and kind of steering towards that too. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to one thing, uh, Avery, that you said about photography, um, I had just one comment, like, yes, like hire a professional, like preferably a professional that has experience with short-term rentals. And I know that it can be, like real estate and short-term rental can be interchangeably sometimes, but it's really not, you know, like in my experience, we've, we've done both. 
Uh, but the real estate guys, they tend to not really pay attention to details like staging and all that stuff. And then when you recommend stuff, they question, oh, but everybody else does this way. And they're like, well, not, we're not everybody else. We're us. Um, you know, so like being able to work with a photographer that really understands short-term rental and, and has that eye, I think makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've, we've, we've also done like uh, lifestyle photos. Right. In addition to just like photos of the house, we've we've done lifestyle photos and uh, they get a lot of clicks. <laughs> so. So, yeah, it's been performing pretty well. Explain what you mean, lifestyle photos. Yeah. So this last property, um, Hernando, we actually had people in the pool uh, playing pickleball, playing mini golf in the backyard, cooking steak. And then I had my, my photographer just come and, and take pictures of that. And then we chose a few to put it on in our listing, um, and it's been performing really well. At least, at least from a click-through standpoint, as well as the property. But uh, yeah, and and that comes from a theory that I had. Like I come from a product design background, and I know I've worked for you know the big retailers, and I know that having people in photos always convert more than not having people. Uh, it's 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 like a rule of thumb for you know product any and retailers. We'll, we'll tell you that and we've tested millions and millions of dollars so i'm like i'm just gonna do that nobody's doing it uh, and so far is uh is uh is doing pretty well so i might be this might be outdated information but i was under the impression that airbnb wouldn't let you have people in your photos am i wrong about that i think so um i, I didn't look it up. yeah um because i was under the impression that airbnb would not let you have people in your photos but if they do then that's amazing that's great because not a lot of people are doing that yeah i couldn't um, find anything in the terms of condition that that said no but i know that i know that properties here in california a lot of people here are doing it so i'm like let's do it <laughs> All right. Well, I will, I'll definitely look that up and, and get that definitive answer, but anything else, uh, last thing before we go, any, are there any other things that we think the, uh, listeners would benefit from hearing? Put yourself right. in traveler shoes, you know, uh, give, give the travel a reason to, to click on your, you know, on your property over the other one, stand out, you know, use the enemy method to quote Avery, I was um, gonna say that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, all I'll right then. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo John. I think we said it, but um, just just be intentional. And I guess this goes to any market. Just be intentional about what you're doing. Don't hope to just buy a property and list it on Airbnb and do well. I think I think those times are pretty much gone. Uh, so if you really want to succeed, you got to think outside the box and spend a little bit of money. I think I think it pays off over time. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, for those of you who are ready to jump in and buy with John and Christina in this market, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we'll get you connected. Or if you just want to learn more about short-term rentals, there's a few ways you can do that. You can join our, pri our sorry public Facebook group. Same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. It's a community of 60,000 hosts in there sharing information and best practices with each other. Or if you have more specific questions, we have a live Q&A every Thursday and you can join that or sign up for that, excuse me, at strquestions.com. Thanks everybody. Mm -hmm.